Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. It's officially the holidays, and today's show is all about ham and latkes, which may seem like they don't go together, but for us, these two dishes connect us to each other and to our friendship. Keep listening for more. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Oh, it's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you again and to talk about with the holidays here. I mean, one thing has really been on my mind as we're gearing up for the holiday season, and it's going to take us back to one of our first food debates, and it's latkes. Yes. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if I remember. Okay. So one day you asked me to assist you on a catering gig around the holidays. Uh It was at, it was in Beverly Hills. Okay. And we were doing a bunch of different hors d'oeuvres and one of them was little latkes with like roast beef and like a horseradish cream on top. Uh Uh-huh. And yep. And so you were using previously frozen latkes that we were Uh reheating. Yes. And we had a whole conversation. And at the time, I think I was less flexible about this topic than I am now. (laughs) And I was like, how could you ever serve a latke that's not perfectly fresh? What is the point of a frozen latke? I want to say, before we go too deep into this, I've since changed my perspective, but I wanted to ask you first if you remember that conversation. Oh, it's so funny. I do remember that conversation because it it was a holiday party. It wasn't a Hanukkah party. And there was a mix of all these different things that we were offering. And yeah, I remember. And I know the, I know those frozen latkes and they're actually made by someone that I know. She is she's a Jewish mom and like started this business where she fries latkes and freezes them and sells them on her website and what, what's the name we, of the company again? So her name is Linda and she has a company called Linda's Latkes and I think you can even get them from like William Sonoma or you could. I haven't used them for a few years so I'm not sure if she's still doing it but. Well you sort of changed my mind then because I tried Linda's Latkes and they were Delicious. delicious. They were really good. So all you did was you put them in the oven and you reheated them, I think at like 350 or 375. Yeah, you reheat them. And then I, over the court, over years, as I got to know about latkes, because I did not grow up with latkes at all, I was like, wow, this is brilliant because please forgive me for, you know, this is just like my perspective. Like I grew up eating hash browns and like the place that I ate hash browns at had the crispiest, most delicious, like I don't. I, like if a hash brown isn't crispy, I just it's set it so aside. There's like it. it's like a it's, so, it's, it's so like so the, it's like opening an avocado and it's brown inside. Totally, it's the totally. same. I'm just like I don't need a plate of like shredded steamed potatoes. No. I want a plate of crispy fried salty potatoes. And so, well, I think this is a good moment to actually clarify what is a latke because it is very uh, hash brown adjacent. It's a lot like a roasty, which is a similar thing. But a latke, and it comes in many forms, is a potato pancake, and it's typically fried. And it's typically eaten during Hanukkah because Hanukkah is a celebration of oil. After a big victory by the Maccabees, oil that was only supposed to last one day in the temple lasted eight days. And so Jews eat 
very oily things during Hanukkah. Like, so you eat latkes, latkes and, and donuts, donuts <laughs> which is one of my other favorite foods. I'm like, I feel like I really missed out as a kid not eating latkes and not having donuts at the holidays. I mean, come on. They're great holiday foods. So Great holiday foods. So latke is a potato pancake, and some people make a blended, like almost batter with, the lock, with a potato. Like they'll take a potato and they'll puree it even. Yes, I've had those too. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite version. Not my favorite either, but you know, you can combine it with flour and eggs and they're truly more like a a little bit of onion I feel like there's always a little there's always a little bit of onion because it's not just a pure I guess my my favorite version is like not the pure potato I like a little bit of onion salt and pepper yeah so there's whether it's pureed or the kind that I like, it typically is made of potato and onion. So the kind of latkes that I prefer are a little bit like the chocolate chip cookies from that episode, very crispy on the outside with yes. a tender, soft center cooked through, not too thick. I don't like hockey puck latkes and I don't like them so thin that they're almost a potato chip. I, to me, there's this balance. And yeah. my secret to my latkes, so I make them very, very simply, shredded potato. It's always, this is like the sad truth. They always come out better when when you use a box grater and you hand shred it. It's true. But that is just not always realistic. So the grating attachment on a food processor does totally work. And I actually mostly do that. It's just better. If you really have the strength and not carpal tunnel, do it by hand. And then right. eggs. And depending on how many people are coming. Depending on how big of a like, batch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then eggs and onion also like shredded or, you know, gone through a food processor, minced very, very, very fine. And then salt and pepper. But this is my ingredient. So a lot of people use flour. A lot of people use matzo meal to kind of bind it all together into yeah. a little bit more of a pancake than a hash brown. Yes. I use potato starch. I well, I feel like this came out in one of our recent episodes, which I don't know that I ever heard that piece. I mean, this is, I think learning how to make a, a proper latka is a real gift. And I can just say, I've also catered Hanukkah for the same family over the course of the last 15 years, not every single year, but almost every single year. And I don't do the latkes. There is a team of people who do, because there's, you know, 30, 40, 50 people at this party And so I collaborate with the hostess. She makes things. I make a lot of sides. But I think there's a real art to latka making, which is, in my defense, why I buy Linda's latkes and use them at other parties. And by the way, it's it's so much work. It's a production. It's It's so much work. It's so much work. It is so worth it. Totally. And if you're catering a party, it's a whole different beast. And like when we had the deli, when we started making latkes, we could not make them fast enough. I mean, we were selling out every day because first of all, they take so much time to make by hand like we were hand frying every single pancake but that's where I really learned to appreciate the frozen latke because there's actually no way in a restaurant forgive me restaurant owners if you do this by hand but you, it's really hard to make latkes to order so you typically fry them ahead and you can sit them out well what yeah. you would do is like we would fry them three quarters of the way so they were light golden and then we would deep fry them just before you know for a few minutes just before serving them so we would fry them a little and then we would freeze them in a single layer because actually that created the best texture. Like you don't want to refrigerate them. Don't want them sitting out for room temperature. You want to put them in an even layer on parchment, stick it in the freezer. Once they're solid frozen, you can bag them. 
this is literally what we did at the restaurant, what I do to this day. By the way, that's yeah. literally what that what Linda's luck is. What they would that's what they do. Cook them and freeze them in a single layer and then frozen, then you get layers of them in the packages. And exactly. And then so the ways you can reheat it is if you had a deep fryer, honestly, you could do that and it's really good. But at home, I never do that. I just heat them up at 350 and I'll do it on one of those racks until, and they turn a little dark. You don't want to fry them until they're too dark because they'll get darker when you reheat them. They'll get even darker. And then you can make a big batch and you can just do trays of latkes during a party so that people actually are eating them at their ideal crispy hot level. Because otherwise, and I have done this, so I'm sharing this so people learn from my mistakes. I've hosted Hanukkah parties where I was making latkes fresh and all I did was stand in front of a stove all night. It's very labor intensive. And I think like, listen, as the non-Jew, I cannot be like the expert on this by any means, but I think the idea behind it is that everyone gathers around this skillet, right? That like when part of the the experience is like you kind of eat them as they're almost too hot for you to have yes right like that's the magic of it it's and like who gets that first latke who gets it's it the, it's and like whatever the special piece of like, chicken or yes, something it's yes. yeah and then how many latkes are you planning for people because that's always the conversation that I, I'm having with this hostess I work with people you know it's a very beautiful Hanukkah party people come dressed up and excited to see each other and then they turn into animals and they <laughs> gather around this kitchen she has this gorgeous open kitchen and people just like they are it's like you think like oh that person in her like beautiful outfit is not gonna have one because she's not gonna get oil all over that gorgeous white dress she's eaten seven right and so <laughs> well I mean can I tell you try to have just one honestly oh you can't it's you can't it's, it's rude to think that people would only have one it's one of the yummiest things on the planet and so easy to make gluten-free and unless you're not eating carbs it's very friendly to a lot of different diets and there's ways to make it vegan but I usually estimate if I'm making latkes and mine are not tiny so we should also clarify Linda's yes. are quite small there are multiple sizes oh. I always bought the tiny ones so they're more like a bite yes like so a, that's like it's a small bite for a cocktail party as opposed to like a plate a latke that needs a plate it's like know? a size of a silver dollar whereas mine is like yeah more the circumference of a tennis ball like that's kind okay. of the, or like a small cookie. Wait, so how many? I'm so I curious. estimate how many? pretty much like four per person because okay. they're really. I was thinking in my head five or six. <laughs> That's probably how many I would eat at least. I mean, I think there are people who eat five or six, and then I think there are people who eat three or four. So I kind of figure on four. And I find that one pound of potatoes, like which is usually one very large russet, is usually a pound. That usually serves one and a half to two people. Okay. So one pound. Again, one one pound will two people. One pound, two people is usually for like if latkes are the main thing of your spread, because that's the other factor. Like, so if I'm hosting a meal around latkes, I kind of want latkes to be the main event. Yeah, I think like why, I mean, what I do in the Hanukkah that I cater is like, then I fill out the rest of the menu with things that are bright Mm -hmm. and crispy and crunchy. And one of the things that we kind of always fall back on, which also is a reminder of this trick that I learned from you, which is we do this shaved vegetable salad. Yeah. That's like celery, fennel, apples. So it's a tiny bit of sweetness. 
And then usually some kind of like bitter green, like a radicchio or a treviso or something like that that adds a little bit of color. And then I toast pepitas. And then it's a very lemony, Dijon heavy vinaigrette. So it's like bright and crisp, but we shave everything on a mandolin, which is a trick that I learned from you. So that, oh gosh, there's so much to talk about here. You know, Carrie and I are always resistant to unnecessary kitchen gadgets. We both do share that, even though I tend to be more gadget heavy than you. I actually don't like superfluous kitchen things, but a mandolin- We don't have the space. No. You don't have the space and neither do I. Like I just think like, and also I'm not going to, I've said this before. It's like, I'm not going to dig it out of the back of the cupboard for like one time a year. So yeah, like on Thanksgiving somewhere, I have a potato masher, you know, those things. I couldn't find it for life. me. It's like, why do I even have it? It's like once a year I'm searching for it. It's not there. But anyway, the mandolin, if you don't have it, it's like a, a, a way to thinly slice vegetables and they all become the same size. I love the Japanese Ben Reiner brand because I think it keeps it. It's like $40. Or less. I think I mean, I travel with it. Yeah, I travel with it too. Yeah, I wrap it in a towel and put blue tape all around it and write a note that says, there is a knife in here. Please be careful. And I put it in my suitcase when I go places. That's because TSA sometimes checks your bag if you carry knives. Well, yeah, I don't want the TSA. I don't want them to unwrap that towel. And then I have cut my finger on there. So that's the one note. When you have a mandolin, if you decide to, you know, embark on this mandolin journey, you really want to make sure you're careful. The worst injuries happen on them. But let's not go into detail on that. But use the guard or get a special glove that protects your hands or just go very slow and be very mindful. Yeah. Yeah. Don't talk to someone. Don't don't talk to someone. Don't listen to this (laughs) podcast while you're on your mandolin. Don't do that. Focus on the mandolin. Yes. Um, Focus on the mandolin. I actually make, for my Hanukkah parties, I make a very similar salad. I'm so happy. I really do. We never discussed. We've never discussed this. That's so And it's kind of the salad, a version of the salad I make at Thanksgiving because I think like when you have really starchy, heavy meals, you want a really good salad on the table. Yeah. And something that's bright and crunchy and fresh and lemony and mustardy and and it cuts through all all of that richness because a latke is incredibly rich. Very rich. So similar to you, but I kind of always riff on it. Now I'm going to start adding apple and fennel and celery because I love that. But what I do. Wait, what do you put in yours? So, it's, so the similar things are like, I love to use a radicchio. I think people think that's really bitter, but if you get a fresh radicchio, it shouldn't be so bitter. And I yeah. mix that with some other kind of great green, whether that's actually like a baby kale, some kind of head of lettuce, I do that. And then I love to do a toasted nut. So sometimes that's hazelnut, sometimes that's walnut, sometimes that's a pita. And I like to, if it's still in season, which it typically is, I do persimmon, slices mm. of the the firm persimmon. It's so pretty that that orange color. So for people who don't know, a persimmon is kind of like an orange colored apple. Yes. And there are different versions of persimmon, but the, the easiest description of it is like you eat it like an apple, like crunchy. And then there's the, what's the Hachia and and fuyu. The fuyu is the one that is- It's crispy. That's Well, it's meant to be eaten firm. You can eat it softer, but you can eat it totally firm. But the fuyu is always like squat- and flat mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. one is like teardrops shaped and ovally yes. and that one you cannot eat firm because it's so astringent, astringent. yeah it hurts yeah. your mouth but when it becomes the consistency of jello like that mushy it's like mm-hmm. pudding and you can just yeah. spoon it it's like you have to wait and it's it's a real I guess I would just say like I'm thinking about like my hometown you know in the midwest I can't imagine that they would ever have access to a one of those persimmons because you kind of have to get it at the farmer's market like one of my 
Farmers literally sells the soft ones like in a container where you just like open it up and then you kind of just like eat it. You can eat it with a spoon. Then. Well, and they definitely, you know? they grow here in Oregon. They grow throughout California. California. So yeah. they're easier to find in places they grow. But if you don't have a persimmon, I love to use apple or yeah. pear or whatever else is yeah. around. Something crunchy. That's like, right. my thing Something is I crunchy. serve latkes, a big salad with the color in it and crunchy yes. elements. I use a whole grain Dijon and lemon and honey and shallot Same. and make a tr- dressing like that. Yeah. I also love to serve like a lox for different kind of smoked fish because mm-hmm. I think latkes and smoked fish are also like a very happy couple. A real natural combination. Totally. Yes. And then of course like the things that you put on your latkes, applesauce, creme fraiche or sour cream. You know, sometimes I'll do a little fresh herb. I mean the classics. You can do other toppings. My husband right. loves ketchup on his latkes. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's again, it's like it's hash brown adjacent, right? It's French fry adjacent. Is totally. What it is too. So I just want to go back. Your menu then is the latkes, the salad, and the board of like, you know, smoked fish or whatever. Yes. And if I'm and feeling ambitious, I, I do homemade donuts for dessert. And wow. we call them sufganiyot. They're a little bit different than American donut shop donuts, but they're basically a jelly-filled donut that's covered right. in powdered sugar. Oh, God. It's extremely so decadent. And then if I'm not feeling adventurous, I buy some good donuts. Or I yeah. make a simple – I love to make a simple olive oil cake with caracara oranges. Wow. You can celebrate oil in different ways. It doesn't have to be fried. And That's true. And sometimes that's it's nice to have – about it that yeah. way. What a beautiful idea. So that's one of the ways I love to celebrate Hanukkah like have a not fried thing, but that still right. like celebrates oil. It highlights. Yeah. It highlights the oil. Okay. So my next, I think my final question about your, <laughs> the specifics of your Hanukkah is do people sit at yours? No. To me, not no, to me, a Hanukkah party is a buffet table and everyone's like hanging out, listening to music and taking their plates to the couch or standing and just like eating yeah. a laka straight off the tray. Yes. It's like, yeah fun food. I know that I said there's salad and things like that. So some people like sit down, but I feel like it's kind of like you go back for more. Yes. The hot tray of latkes come back. Yeah. yeah. It's like, a, it's like, this is not the time to be polite. There's no. not like a lot of, <laughs> it, people are not polite when latkes are out. No. And I like, I fully respect that. What I've witnessed for so many years, which is the party starts off so beautiful and elevated and elegant. And then it's just like, once people get a drink in and they get a latke, it, the, all bets are off. That's the um, thing. Latkes make people happy. It's a happy food. Yeah, it's a happy food. Well, I want to just offer something that I have learned with this hostess that I've worked with for so many years, which is we're always talking about like, you know, because we do it together almost every single year, like how to make it better. And one of the things that we talked about, because her party is so big and people, there are definitely a few places for people to sit, but most people are standing and holding a plate is we don't use lettuce in our salad, that we Uh. keep our salad as sort of like sort of pile into like a little crunchy space on your plate so that you've got a little pile of salad, a little pile of your latkes, and then some of the other things which are maybe like a roasted broccoli or something. I actually know this client because I think I cooked for them once you when cooked, you were yeah, when you, you were out of town too. and we had a whole long conversation about the shape of a vegetable in a salad yeah. and, it, and I say that like really in awe because the shape of vegetables and the texture of vegetables matter so much. So what you're saying makes so much sense because salads are kind of cumbersome and like yeah. if the leaves 
limbs are too big. Yeah. And then it's hard when you're, if you're standing there trying to talk to someone, you can't be trying, you can't be like holding a plate and a fork and then you can't like cut a a leaf of lettuce that maybe escaped and was too big. And so, and then you're not going to shovel that in your mouth while you're trying to have a conversation. I do think that there's, this is a great place to- A chopped salad is like- And also what I'm envisioning, like what I would do if I was a guest at this party is get a latke, dollop it with sour cream and then dollop it with salad. Totally. And then just kind of eat it like a sandwich. Exactly. Like a sandwich. Yeah. In the corner. In the corner. (laughs) In the corner. All these years that I have been both collaborating with her and then as you and I have continued this conversation, I've learned so much. She's a very thoughtful hostess, incredibly thoughtful. And even though we've done it so long together, every year we have several very serious conversations about how we're going to show up in that space, how we're going to take all the elements into consideration, what is the most seasonal things that are coming out, like what are we going to add to that stuff. There isn't, we're not going through the motions ever. And that's really something I've learned about in working with her. And then also in our conversations where I don't come to this culturally. I didn't grow up having Jewish friends that I got to go to their house and experience this. So what I've learned is just in on the fly and in the space and and then through our conversations. I want to, I do want to pivot to the, like what you tap your latkes with, because I have a strong take on this too, because I have done the same. I'm really curious to hear how you top your latkes. One of my early jobs in Los Angeles, I was a cater waiter for a Wolfgang Puck restaurant called Chinois. And Chinois is, it's a French Asian fusion, but I think it's mostly Chinese. And they made this, what they call the potato galette, which was basically just a giant latke. It was a potato pancake, or it was a potato pizza. They called it potato galette with wasabi creme fraiche, and they put smoked salmon and chives on top of it. And when they would make it in the kitchen, it was like a pizza. And so they would slice it into these tiny wedges, and then we would serve it to these fancy cocktail parties. When I was very new in LA, I had very little experience in nice restaurants at all. I just come out of college. Like I could barely, I couldn't afford to eat at this restaurant that I was catering for. Some of those tastes I'd never tasted before, but potato galette with wasabi creme fraiche and smoked salmon was by far my most favorite one. And years later started doing Hanukkah. I was, you know, we used to have this thing at this restaurant that I worked at. And so like, maybe we can do some of the latkes with put a little wasabi into the creme fraiche and then top it with a little piece of smoked salmon. And then add some green on the top and we would do that and then we decided to do a beef version which is the one I think you mentioned before that with I the horseradish yeah with like a horseradish cream yeah. a little slice of um usually I do like a prime New York strip and then I slice it thinly and that's really lay it. I, I think I had the wasabi one too at the party we catered, which I like. I kind of lean more herby. That's what I want. Yes. I, I like the creamy herby. You know, I don't typically serve meat on my latkes because usually I want something creamy, but you can make a really good horseradish cream with mayo and horseradish. It doesn't actually have to have any oh, dairy at all. So, right. And you, I do like mayo and a little lemon juice and horseradish, mix that all together. And that's really super good too, even if you don't have the actual like sour cream or cream element. Right. And also like it's that same brightness, yes. right? You know, we, so we usually do a few plates of the the wasabi creme fraiche with smoked salmon and then also with prime beef. We can't keep them filled. I like mean, that's people... one nice way to do it. 
it. I really, and I love the idea of like having little past latkes already composed, but I also really love like just putting a spread of condiments and yes, letting people yes. top their latkes. And recently there was like a year where Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah was, was Thanksgiving weekend. It was like- Yes, I remember. It was really early one year. I so remember that. So then cranberry sauce on latkes became a revelation Ooh. because people were had all this leftover cranberry sauce and it was suddenly Hanukkah and it really works. It's the same idea as applesauce, just something tangy and yeah. refreshing, a little sweet and I mean, with a little sour cream. It's like a really fun combination. Okay, I'm dying to tell you some riffs on the actual latkes that I do. Yeah, because you put other, I imagine yeah. you put other, I, are you going to break out like you put like parsnips in, parsnips no, in your latkes? No. Have you ever done that? I haven't done parsnips, but I do love to mix things up. One of my favorite things to do is I'll actually do grated daikon and Ooh. and potato. Wait, daikon tell help. Daikon is, uh, is a, radish. a radish. It's a type of radish. You find it a lot. If you don't find it in your regular market, it's really easy to find in any Korean market, Asian Japanese market, market Asian yeah. market. It's it's an amazing radish. It's not bitter or sharp. It's extremely mild. It has a sweetness to it. So I'll grate it with potato and do like half daikon, half potato. And then I will sometimes do like a ponzu dipping sauce with that. Oh, so wow. It's like a real play on. I've never thought of that combo. That's a great idea. It's like a play on tempura, you know, those right. flavors. So something fried and something very like umami and then the like sweetness of the daikon. I also love, and this is a classic, doing leek mixed into your potato. I, Do you cook the leek or is yes, it raw? I tend to cook the leek first and then add it to the potato. Actually, that's not true. I I cut I'm my so leek. Curious. I cut my leek very very thin. I shred it okay. very thin and then add it to the potato and then it cooks really well. Okay. Uh, but you could absolutely. I bet that's delicious. I love I love a leek. Yes. With leeks and potatoes, leeks and butter and potatoes. Like, come on. Leek fritters are a classic Sephardic Jewish dish. So it's, really? yes. And for Hanukkah, it's a very common recipe. Wait, so tell me, a le- so is a leek fritter then like more eggy? There's is a it- lot of different recipes, but yes, there are some that are like really primarily leek. I find, and this is really all I have to say about different combinations of latkes. I think you almost always really need potato. Like, yes, you can absolutely make absolutely make latkes that don't include potato but I prefer to include potato in all my latkes because like if you make a sweet potato latke that doesn't have regular potato it just is a little it's flimsy crispy, yeah right it's a little yeah. soggy and flimsy which is fine if that's what you're going for with a caveat that if you puree a sweet potato and use flour and egg you can potato make a starch right you can make a Your great potato starch yes, trick I think is potato starch one. you can make a great crispy pancake but I'm talking about shredded vegetables what even if I do a mix of vegetables, I always add potato in there for that crispiness. And then the last thing I'll say that I riff on around Hanukkah, which is not a latke at all, but is also inspired by Japanese food is okonomiyaki, which is the cabbage pancake. It's a traditional dish. The base is really cabbage. And sometimes people add carrot and green onion. And sometimes, you know, there's actually like a special flour made from like a yam that people use in the traditional version, but sometimes it's hard to source. So again, I use potato starch and regular batter and I make kind of like a pancake batter and then add shredded cabbage to it. Point in saying this is like, there's an endless world of fritters. Of just yeah, the fritters. endless world of fritter. It's funny. It's funny we're finally getting to this because when you broke out the, and I'm always, I have a hard time saying it, okonomiyaki. That's right. Okay. So it reminds me of a few years ago that I threw a vegetarian dinner party that was all inspired by leafy greens. Yes. Really so obsessed Wasn't with I all there? the leafy greens. I, I don't remember if you were there. It was at the bungalow. 
Yeah, you had a greens and party. I was there. And you it was made, a greens party. You made us all books and you – I did. Yes. yes. there. I made books of recipes. Yes. And I want to say it was five different dishes and I don't know that I can remember all, the, all of them, but I do very specifically remember making this. It was a fritter. I don't actually think it had potato in it, so I don't think – it's very latke adjacent, the same idea. But I remember it having cabbage in it and I put like red cabbage and I think carrot and it was all very shredded and then you make this batter and you cook it like a latka. So that was delicious. It's so good. Yeah. So I just think there's so much fun to be had. But even if yes. you even but you can't go wrong with traditional latkes. There's one other thing about this time of year that's really special to me and makes me think of you and our friendship because we once went to a holiday t- party together. My friend throws an epic Christmas slash holiday party every year and I brought you as my guest. Yes. And I remember that every year he makes a giant ham which I don't eat and we were we were sitting in the and he has a million other dishes he just fills this table with dishes it's unbelievable he's he's an incredibly accomplished cook really accomplished cook incredible host so much abundance very generous very generous so generous so we were sitting there as you and I would in the room with the food we're the only ones sitting there the dining room it was like the dining so we have to set the scene a little bit which is like it's in the dining room there's the, the beautiful dining room table and the dining room table has become the buffet so all the chairs are pulled away from the table and they're all kind of like they're all along the border they're all along the wall so as one would do you go get yourself a plate and then you sit in one of those open chairs so that when you're ready to, to fill your, your plate, plate again you have like a two <laughs> you've about two steps to yeah you know, to the food so we're hanging out by the food yeah. We had my, at the time, my roommate was there too, who is French. Anyway. Yes. So the three of us are sitting there hanging out and this man walks in and he goes straight for the ham and he's just, (laughs) (laughs) he's just piling ham onto his plate. And you and I, as he recalls it, were clowning on him. And this man- We were maybe being a little judgy. We were being a little judgy. We were kind of like, wow, it's a lot of ham you got there. What's going on there? What's going on with you and all your ham? (laughs) And this man and I, in particular start talking and it's just like mm-hmm. off to the races blah, 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 blah. we're just non-stop talking and then it's like fireworks fireworks over the the table of ham yes like just the, bouncing back and forth the two of you so much talking and carrie goes wow i feel like i'm seeing a connection happen i feel like i'm witnessing something and then this man says well you're invited to the wedding and, and i was there and this is my <laughs> husband jonathan who I yes. met over a ham, two Jews meeting at a Christmas party over a ham with one of my dearest friends in the whole world. I always think about ham this time of year. And when I think about it, I think about you. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember John, clowning on Jonathan. I love that that's what he, <laughs> that's the way that he refers to it. But I have a very strong connection to ham. My family makes ham every year at Christmas. My dad makes ham every year. His dad, my grandfather, Simon, he always made a ham at Christmas. And and, you know, I think if – I think that's part of what we talked about with this episode is, like, we're talking about the latkes that are very traditional to your experience of December and this time of year. Ham is, like, very – you know, that's a, a very big feature of my experience, too. And and then there's this experience between us, which is where you met Jonathan over a table of ham, which is so funny. My dad always makes a ham at Christmas, and I think it's important to say that my dad doesn't make a spiral ham that I think most people know about this – phenomena of spiral I don't know the difference between a spiral ham and a not spiral I don't know anything about ham so can you explain the difference between the kind your dad makes and the kind that 
maybe we see in movies and know of as right Christmas ham. I want to sort of take some of the tone out of my voice and the judgment because I don't know that I can really speak to like a spiral ham. I don't have as much experience with it. But what my dad would always make and my grandfather were was like a country ham. It's a bone-in cured ham. So it's a, a piece of meat. It's not formed. It's like if you bought a roast or a turkey, like it has been cured. So it's it's still, it has that like very salty ham flavor. And it does have like that, that sort of coating around the edge. Like if you were to buy that like sliced ham in the grocery store, you know, has a darker skin around it. Yeah. So what my dad always does is he, it's always a bone in ham and he trims that skin off of it. And ham is fully cooked, so you don't have to cook it more. But what my dad does is once you've taken it out of the package and you've sort of cut most of that stuff off, the sort of outer layer, he puts crushed pineapple, like a layer yes. of crushed pineapple, and then a layer of brown sugar, but not too much. Like it's not meant to be a sweet dish. You're sort of adding a balance of sweetness to like the incredible saltiness of it. And then he cooks it until it falls off the bone. Can you explain one thing to me? So is the bone in the center of it or is it like on the bottom? Yeah, the bone kind of runs through the middle. Okay. Um, and it's not it's very irregularly shaped it's always unwieldy you know when you lay a turkey like if you have a chicken or a turkey or even a roast like generally they have a pretty uniform shape that will lay properly like on your on your counter on your giant cutting board and the ham is always unwieldy and it's like bottom heavy or top heavy or whatever so you just kind of do your best you end up with this like kind of sweetened glaze that you've created because you take off whatever the cured outer layer is yeah so that that can like sort of penetrate the meat the sweetness and then you just roast it it depends on the size of the ham how long it takes and also it kind of depends on how much time you have like it's already cooked you're not you're not trying to like cook it to a certain temperature so that it's like proper to eat you're really just cooking it so that it gets shreddy and I think a lot of people know what a pulled pork is you know this idea of like shreddy meat that generally you'll put like barbecue sauce on or put into a taco or something like that. And I'll say the the sort of difference between the shreddiness of a ham and the shreddiness of like a pulled pork is there's a lot more texture because the ham is cured. So it shreds, but it's not that softness that you get like in a barbecue, like a barbecue sandwich like that, or even like a barbecue chicken, like if, like a chicken tinga or something like that. And then it has like this sauce on it. It's much softer, almost like a, it's like a stew. So but the ham is- So it's not like, talk about a spiral ham, which I've encountered in the world many times. It's like yeah. kind of those thin slices that- Oh, they're sort of perfect slices. Right. slices. And this is very – Like it's pre-sliced um, inconsistent. by like yeah. a machine that sell, the after yeah. it's cured. But people still do like glazes and stick cloves in it and pineapples or whatever as well, right? Yeah. Again, like I don't have a lot of experience with that. I didn't really experience that until I was like maybe in college or out of college. My family's country ham. And once the ham is to my dad's liking, pulls it out and cuts it thinly. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about this before. Like when you're having a party or you're, you're – doing a holiday and there's all these other dishes and what we were just talking about is like Hanukkah party where feeding 40 to 50 people there's a team of humans that are planning and working and cleaning and you know and doing all those things but most people when you're having Hanukkah at your house or when I'm having Christmas at my house it's just me and my family so you have to find these ways of shortcuts and ham is a great one because what my dad always does for sure is like cooks it a day or two ahead cuts it up lays it into like a casserole dish spoons a little bit of that juice 
juice over top of it, covers it with foil, and then we just reheat it. Oh, okay. So it's not – it doesn't have the same kind of presentation as – A spiral a, ham. A spiral ham where like at the table over which you met Jonathan where it's like, there's a platter of ham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you help yourself to it. It's more of a – or like a turkey, you know, where you like have yeah. this ornament, right? right? This thing. It's like we've cooked the turkey and now it's rested and we're going to – Carve into carve it. Carve it beautifully right in front of you. And it's like, no, that's, I mean, I think you can do that with ham if you, but my dad is like, he's done it so many years where yes, we love it, but part of it is the ease of it. You said it's a little shreddy, but he still slices it. So is it kind of a cross between like, like you can actually slice it, but also it has shreddy bits? You actually kind of need to slice it. Like the, the idea of like cooking it until it's done is like, you see where the bone will move around a little bit and you'll see like, instead of holding itself together, it's like, it kind of starts to break apart a little bit, but it's breaking apart in big chunks. It's not so pulled sort of, pork. It's not pulled pork. Not at all. So it kind and of has a saucy element when it's reheated because your dad's added some of that like pineapple mixture or is it? It's not saucy. Or I guess you could make it saucy if you wanted to. Our family's not super big into sauce. So it's just more of like you put a little bit of that moisture back in and just enough so that it soaks it up. When you put those slices of ham like say on a like a soft roll you know I'm thinking of like the bakery that I grew up going to they have these sort of soft buttermilk rolls oh, I and love a good roll. it's 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 similar to challah yeah. like it's a sort of similar richness but it's like if you put it on that roll you're not soaking the roll so wait so the is that is how you holding. serve it you serve it with rolls or is there like a traditional way to serve it I mean usually when you make a ham it's like it's for a few meals so for the initial say like Christmas dinner or Christmas Eve dinner that we're having it's usually more of like a plated the meat and then my family makes this thing called cheesy potatoes like I knew this was gonna come out Uh, are you Um, embarrassed about cheesy potatoes no No. okay sounds amazing not not embarrassed about cheesy potatoes but they're a very midwestern dish where it's frozen hash browns Velveeta cheese oh my god (laughs) there is there's Velveeta in them and honestly do not knock it till you try it I want every time you you introduce me to these delicacies I want to try them I feel like I've been robbed Dude, cheesy potatoes are one of like and I don't know what other families call them but it's a version of like frozen hash browns and then you add yeah I mean I haven't made them for years so I can't even remember it's like frozen some version of like frozen hash browns and then I'm sure there's milk and there's Velveeta and then there's sour cream of some sort like there's some other creamy element like this is the truth there is no good mac and cheese like those baked mac and cheese without Velveeta there's yeah, a quality that the plastic cheese delivers but no other cheese. It's this creaminess. Yeah. Sometimes people call them like funeral potatoes. Oh my God. It's one of those things where you, when you're feeding a lot of people, you need to kind of make something that can be just reheated. You know, I, like my mom works at the church. So making cheesy potatoes and taking them to the church for when people are gathering for or funeral. Sad that's like events a, yeah. or happy events. Or happy events. But it's it's a community kind of dish. Like it's not a Tuesday night kind of dish. Although sometimes we would have potatoes like on <laughs> so Tuesday you have- your ham, you have your cheesy potatoes ham, rolls. And then cheesy potatoes. There's a roll, so you can either eat the roll just buttered, or you can make yourself a little sandwich if you wish. And then some vegetables, you know, corn, 
and green beans. Those are generally like the vegetables in my family. Best is like also the leftovers. Yeah. Because then for a few days afterwards, then there's always these little fresh buns, you know, kind of akin to Thanksgiving. To no, the, what are those oh, Hawaiian sweet rolls? Like those, Oh, yeah. That's a great one that you can use too. That's pretty common. Hawaiian sweet rolls are delicious. And then what do you do with the bone? Do you keep it for stock? I think I can remember maybe one time when they, we, they made like a ham bone soup or something like that. But I generally keep my bone and cook it with some beans. I was just saying like split peas is also like a tradition, right? With a ham. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with split peas, okay. honestly. Like I didn't grow up eating split pea soup. That wasn't like a dish in my family. And I didn't grow up in, around any delis where that was like a thing. We definitely had split pea soup and sometimes my mom would make it, but obviously not with ham. It would be vegetarian. But do you remember those little powdered soups in a cup? That like a cup the, of soup? Was it called cup of soup? They had like corn chowder. They had a chicken. They, so they were all dehydrated soups. It was yeah. very big in the 80s and they kind of looked like almost healthy. I cannot remember okay. the brand for the life of me, but they had a one of their varieties was split pea. And split pea. There were like certain processed foods that made their appearance in our home, but they were very few and far between, but these dehydrated soups were one of them. That's so funny. So I had split That's pea so growing funny, up. So I don't have like an experience with split pea soup at all, but I think for me, usually if, I, if I've made a ham, I'll cook it with like pinto beans or like a black bean. We eat a ton of beans in my house. Like Mac loves beans. We love beans and rice. Well, you know how so- I feel about beans. I'm a big, big fan. Yes. I also yes. like smoked well, turkey with beans is really nice. And also I sometimes, if I don't, if I want to keep it vegan or vegetarian, I've used smoked tomatoes. I've used smoked chilies. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I've used those before too. And it adds like a nice smokiness. There's not a lot of smokiness. The, the ham is not by definition smoked. It's more of just that sort of savory, porky flavor. I didn't um, think the ham was smoked. I just mean like, I think smoky things yes. go well with beans. Go too. well with yeah. the beans, totally. And like pork and beans, is a nat is a very natural combination too if if you do eat pork. It's a but, classic. Yeah, so I have to add one more thing in addition to like the ham sandwiches for the days afterwards. And, you know, when I think about the ham, it's generally because I've had it at my parents' house because we've gone back to spend Thanksgiving with them. And one of the sweetest things that my dad does is he packs ham sandwiches for us to take on the plane. Aww. So he'll make like two or three ham sandwiches for each of us because they're, they're small. They're just like little rolls. He'll put them in like a little Ziploc bag. And then generally – because we've already talked about this, there's Chex Mix. <laughs> and so then there's like a plastic baggie of Chex Mix for each of us. And at times I've there have had a level of annoyance of like, I have all these suitcases and the dog and the baby and all the things like, where do you want me to put these ham sandwiches? And then inevitably get on the plane and we're like, hungry and we just pull these little sandwiches out and this little bag of Chex Mix and it's such a beautiful gesture from It's a very dad, sweet especially. thing from your dad. It's so sweet. I also it's think such a- like bringing your own food on the plane is really underrated. Oh, so much better than it's any. It's so civilized it's just, in a way, right? Yeah. It's like you get, then you're then you're choosing what you get to eat as opposed to like just accepting what comes to there you. There is no is, airport sandwich that tastes as good as a homemade one. It just doesn't no. exist. So No, and then that reminder of like, yeah, being we were home. so happy that you were here yeah. and we're sending a little bit of home back to California with you. That's something that I've realized as I've gotten older, especially as I've gotten out into the world and we've talked about this a little bit. Ham was just a part of my experience growing up. I didn't realize that that wasn't everyone's experience. And so now as I look back and as I learn about other people's traditions and and love their traditions, my, I mean, who doesn't embrace a latke? But it's like, it's lovely. I I love that I love ham even though I don't eat it. (laughs) 
as hell. <laughs> like, I want to be at your table with a ham because it will just make me happy even if I'm not eating it because it's just – And your story includes a little bit of yeah, ham, which is Yeah, ham really brought funny, me but... to love. <laughs> Interesting. Now that I have my own child, I think about – yeah, my experience of ham was mostly through my dad but also through my grandfather. That's how he learned how to make it. And it's funny to think about what – will that be something that Mac is yeah. interested in when he's older? And pr- he'll probably grow up being like, yeah, yeah, it's not that great. And then he'll go out into the world and be like – I guess my mom did like a few good things. <laughs> the things we take for granted. Things we take for granted. Yes. Well, well, as usual. I'm so excited to have holiday meals now. Thanks for yes. all this inspiration. This is really fun. The holiday season doesn't start without latkes. Or ham. <laughs> or ham. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.